This is episode four of the Empowered Athlete Podcast. Imagine you're 10 minutes away from a final event and a very well-respected national level coach approaches you and says, you need to lose weight. Imagine how you'd feel. And that is a huge body image issue that happens in men's sports and women's sports. For this particular person, Selena Toth, she's a diver. So she's in a bathing suit all the time. And we're going to hear from her and what she's gone through with her own body image and what she's overcome in her progress in dealing with that in diving. And she's a phenomenal competitive athlete. And I was fortunate enough to get to know her and her bubbly, amazing, outgoing personality a couple of years ago when she had a break from the national team. She came and trained with me for a short time. And she's such an incredible athlete, a five-time national champion in the 10 meters women's event, four-time FISU world championship medalist, Commonwealth Games finalist, and two-time World Cup championship finalist. I can't wait to introduce her. We're going to have a great chat, and I think there's a lot for you to draw from this conversation. Typically in gym clothes, I find it such a treat to get dressed up and go out. Paul says I clean up well. We both love nice watches, and I just found a company that's a perfect fit for both of us. Welly Merck watches are Swiss-made, high-fashion accessories that we love, and guess what? We have a discount for you. 15% off any men's or women's watches. Just go to wellymerck.com, that's W-E-L-L-Y-M-E-R-C-K.com, and use discount code W-K-A-R-I-15. So that's capital W, capital K-A-R-I, and 15. So go ahead, shop for yourself, shop for people for Christmas. Enjoy. Welcome to the Empowered Athlete Podcast, created to support athletes in their pursuit of excellence and inspire others toward their best lives. Hosted by Kari Schneider, coach to top performers in sport and life, and Paul Durden, former national and professional volleyball player. Okay, so we're here with Selena Toth, and we're really, really excited to have Selena with us today. So welcome, Selena. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your background, how you got started in sport, and where you're at right now currently. All right, uh, well, my name's Selena. I'm 26 years old. I'm from uh, London, Ontario or St. Thomas, people know where that is, um, <laughs> and I moved to Victoria, BC when I was 18, uh, graduated high school in London, and um, decided that I wanted to continue my uh, goal of going to the Olympics for diving. Um, and my discipline is the 10-meter platform event, and I'm hoping to, within the next year or two, get into some synchro diving. Um, see how that goes but so yeah I moved out to Victoria and uh started going to school at UVic uh, for psychology and I'm almost done which is super exciting I'll be going into my ninth year in next month of my undergrad <laughs> oh my um, <laughs> yeah it's a long time um but yeah I have five classes left so hopefully I'll graduate this year 
Um, <laughs> and I also had the opportunity to continue diving here with um, my club, uh, Boardworks. And uh, Tommy McLeod is my coach here. And also continue, uh, actually started training in the weight room, doing some strength and conditioning when I moved out here with a whole bunch of different coaches at CSI Pacific. Um, and yeah, that's basically the what happened from moving from home to here and just been training and going to school and finally feel like I've got my life figured out over here I think (laughs) that's that's crazy there's so much there there's so much there to dive into I want to I want to ask a couple things along the way um absolutely what can you can you back up a little bit about (laughs) how you got into diving like I know that there's a number of questions I have just from that snapshot of what your life has been thus far, but diving is such a unique sport and it's not one that, you know, you, you hear about kids going into soccer or going into hockey or this or that, but what brought you to diving? Where did that come from? Well, it's funny because when the Olympics come around, like diving is so popular and everybody wants to watch it. And our national team is so strong internationally. and so it's really cool to watch on TV, but yeah, not, it's not a big community that we have. Um, so when I started, I was a gymnast. Uh, I did a whole bunch of sports growing up, but I stuck with gymnastics for about six years. And then eventually I'd like gotten hurt and I was scared and I didn't see myself really pushing through um, any more than where I was. I was like a little bit competitive, but not really. And so my parents were like, well, if you're going to quit, like you need to tell your coaches. So I went in on a Monday and I told them that I didn't want to do gymnastics anymore. And a teammate or a coach of mine who was also a diver and I didn't know at the time was like, oh, like a bunch of our other athletes have quit gymnastics and gone to diving. Like you should try it. So I went home and I like told my parents about it. My dad was like, oh, perfect. Cause you're not just going to sit home and do nothing and go to school and yeah, hang out at the yeah. mall after, after school. Yeah. After all those hours of gymnastics, <laughs> yeah. parents doesn't want to see it go to waste. Exactly. And he's like, you're not going to do something silly like dance. And I was like, what? Like, come <laughs> on. And he was like, so we'll try this. So I called on the Wednesday for a tryout because I have like a fairly good, uh, acrobatic background that we thought I wouldn't have to start at like learn to dive um so we called and the coach was like yeah yeah like we'll do a tryout on Friday can you come in then and they're like yep so I tried out on Friday was there and I like was so scared and I walked up and they showed me introduced me to everyone and then I saw like two or three of my old teammates who I actually didn't know had quit gymnastics and went to diving I thought they just moved yeah Yeah. Yeah. and so I was like whoa I know you guys and then um and then I had so my tryout and included. You felt included. Yeah. You weren't, it wasn't so scary after you saw them. No, it was really a really great day, actually. I was terrified when they asked me to do more than a flip. Um, and so I didn't do it that to, day. When <laughs> they asked you to do that, was that off of the diving board? Yeah. And, so like, and what height was the diving board? Oh, just one meter. <laughs> and so we started off slow. Well, I love I love this. So you're saying it's slow, but I mean, I know as a kid, we would stand around the pool and someone had a diving board, it'd be like, okay, who's going to try to do a flip? And it'd be terrifying. (laughs) Like one meter, like, and I'm talking, you know, backyard pool where the diving board's a foot off the water. Yeah. And they're telling you, they're they're telling you to do a flip with no instruction. I love it. Just, just. Yeah. So (laughs) 
we, so I was 12 at this time. So it was a, I was a late bloomer for divers. Um, they want you to really start early so that they can teach you the basics and like the pretty legs and toes and the arms and the stuff aesthetic. like that. Um, yeah, the sport yeah aesthetic. totally. Yeah. So I, I had a little bit of a advantage there already knowing how to do that. But yeah, so we started off slow with jumps and going to three meter and um, they taught me how to do a dive. And like, I, I could already sort of do that. Um, but not like the perfect diving way. And then they taught me the arm swing. And I think I might've learned a hurdle that day. And then, and then, yeah, we did a flip and then they were like, okay, like, you know how to do an entry, you know how to do a dive, you know how to do a flip. Like, let's try one and a half. And I was like, oh my what? gosh, that like, was the first day. Yeah, literally within, like, <laughs> the practice was only an hour and a half. So yeah, I was like, um, Yeah can I pass on that one? Like, I really want to do make a good impression, but I don't know if I'm ready for that. And they were like, yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. So then, um, talked to my parents and they were like, yeah, like we want her on the team. And within Monday I was diving like four times a week. And a couple months later I went to my first competition and as a pre, That's like pre-competitive. Crazy. And it turned out really well. And that was in December of that year. And they have nationals at the end of every year. And I had actually qualified for my first nationals that year. But they were like, no, 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 like, you're not ready. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. I was on the I was on the team, like, and within a couple months, I was full time. So. So within within four, so within three or four years from that, from starting, you won a national championship. Yeah. That, yeah, okay. that's and impressive. And I've got a question <laughs> about that because just a second ago you said that you weren't that competitive, but you've been quoted <laughs> as saying, when I started diving, I wasn't the most naturally talented and there was lots of work to do and a lot of people saying I couldn't do a lot in the sport. Mm-hmm. That's, that's your quote. So <laughs> I, I don't believe that you're not competitive. So I don't um, know if Harry's going in this direction, but where did that drive come <laughs> to go from that little... You know, that little kid first practice one and a half to national championships so quickly. So I guess by that quote, I mean, like, I'm, I'm definitely a competitive person. I want to win all the time. Um, but I don't think that I was quite at the level that I needed to be with the top national athletes. So um, when I won that year in, tw- in 2008, I honestly, like, it came out of nowhere, and a lot of people were like, uh, what? Um, and it took me a really long, I got to nationals, and I was always at the bottom the first couple of years, and, and I, I just, they didn't really see me going anywhere, and then I kind of broke out and got invited to the Olympic trials um, in 2008 that was actually out here in Victoria, um, so that was really cool, and I found out, they called me on my birthday, and I was oh turning 16, so that was really cool. Awesome. Um, and so then, yeah, so I came out here and I actually was invited for springboard on three meter and that's not the event I compete in anymore. Um, so that was really cool. And like, I came in the top 12 and I was like, Oh, like, this is cool. This is fun. Nobody really knows who I am. I like being the underdog. Yeah. And, um, and I really rode that wave and being the underdog for a long time, like multiple years after that, like a couple months later, we had my nationals in Thunder Bay where I won on tower. And I, I, I've, I've wrote down and told you a little bit about this experience um, and how it like changed everything for me uh, mm-hmm. was, was winning 
so the way that they did that event, they split it up and they, you did all your optionals first and then you did your compulsories afterwards. And I was never really, so in the like final, so they'd cut you at the top 12 and then do your compulsories in the final. And my compulsories weren't my best thing. Mm. And my optionals that year were like fresh and new on 10 meter. Some of them are on 10 meter. I didn't have all of them up there yet. So, and it was my first year A. So that was like the hardest age group because you have normally all the age groups then you grow up are just two. So you're only competing against like either um, a year lower or a year above yep, you. Yep. So um, this year I had my year and two years above me. And I was like, oh, and the girls were so good. And I was like competing against girls who were giving the Nash, the seniors a run for their money. So I honestly like went in and I was like, ah, whatever, like I'm going to just have fun and do my best. And, um, and I came out after my optionals and my coach, I had my chamois on my head. So chamois is like the thing that you dry, like little towel you dry off with. So um, during the, the, the wait for my, for my turn, I would always put it over my head and be listening to music. So I couldn't really see anything. And I'd look at my coach and she'd give me my correction beforehand. And I'd walk up to the tower and I was completely like not paying attention to anything else and did my last optional and I came over and she was like oh my god like what that was awesome and I was like cool and then we like look up look up at the screen and we're like what like and I don't think that she really knew that I was in first either and we were like cool and then she was like okay okay like no 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 calm down like this is this isn't over and like that doesn't mean anything especially with your compulsories and she was kind of like trying to make me a little bit angry that's that's the thing about watching as a spectator or a fan too is that you you know it's this roller coaster when you're watching diving that's (laughs) one of the reasons it's so bloody exciting when you're when you're seeing it on on tv yeah, totally. One dive and you can totally be out of there. And it's it's not over until the end. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, so stake, remember, the stakes are so high. Yeah. Totally. So I remember going up for my compulsories and I think we had four of them. And my and just one of the girls who was supposed to win, who ended up being a really good friend of mine. Um, I remember when we were just practicing them, her standing at the end of the tower and just death glaring at me. Like she could not believe that I was winning and that I was beating her. She was supposed to win. And Oh, I, I'll never forget that. So funny. And then, <laughs> um, so we were in the competition and it was my last dive and I was the last diver to go. And they like called my name, said where I was from, announced the dive. And I could just, I'm still, I'm getting shivers talking about it right now. Um, my, my team who's really, really, we were all very, very close at the time. Even everyone in Ontario was all very close. Um, had like kind of ran up to the edge of the bleed or, the stands at the top upstairs and getting ready to just like run down onto the deck and like give me a big hug and but I was like no Selena like you have to do your last dive but I could like see them out of the corner of my eye I'm like okay just land on your head like I I didn't know if I needed to like really nail it or if it just needed to be good I had no idea so I was like just land on your head all you have to do is just land on your head please and then I went and like I don't I don't even remember the dive. I just remember putting my arms down and, and going. And then the next thing I knew I was in the water and the whole pool exploded, like just so loud. I could hear them underwater. And that's like, 
doesn't really happen. And I like, I got out of the water and the whole pool is going nuts, just cheering and screaming. And before I could even get out of the water onto the bulkhead, like everybody, like not just my team, but like other teams and other divers from, and this was really cool because it was at the time, the junior nationals, you had all ages. So A to D, so 18 to eight, like ages, people, everybody, the whole pool, coaches, officials everyone was right there and I could feel like I couldn't even get out of the water and people just like hugging me and shaking me and congratulating me and the one of the national team coaches um who I've um now have a lot of experience uh diving and competing with I'm from Montreal like got in there and shook my hand he's like wow congratulations like welcome to the team and I'm like what Oh and my god. The like technical director came in and was like, Oh yeah, like that was so good. Hi Selena, I'm Scott. Welcome to the national team. And I'm like, what? And I'm like looking around for my coach. I'm like, Awana, like, where are you? And she finally like people just push her into the middle and like she gives me a hug and she was basically the same size as me. So like two that's tiny a, people that's in a scene big crowd. from a movie. That's a movie Seriously. Scene right there. That's a movie I, scene right there. Yeah. and seriously and they like bought my parent they brought my parents down from the stands and like that doesn't happen like people win all the time and like win big things and like like win the olympic trials and like yeah their parents stay in the stands and like you wave to them and like that's it like my parents were on the pool deck with me and it was and that's never i've never seen that in the 15 years of me being a diving like i've never seen that happen and it's like you're appreciating that that what you experienced is truly unique and truly special. It's it's the thing totally. that dreams are made of. Yeah, yeah, and yes, that, that's incredible. That really did change a lot of things for me. Um, but yeah, after that, like I was always fourth at nationals in my event. <laughs> I was like, ah, and so there was kind of always that drive. But because I could never make the podium again, yeah, everyone lost confidence in me and lost and just didn't. And so they didn't think I was competitive enough and that I could ever do it. So I was always just on the outside. And and that's um, kind of, I, I, in the, that was probably around the time that I worked with you a little bit. When, yeah. Yeah. And, and I felt that a little bit, even though, I mean, we didn't really talk in depth about anything like that, but I felt this need for you to prove to other people that you could. And, totally. and also this, this. Um, at this time that you were also um, it's almost like you didn't you weren't anchored in that that was one of the times that you were looking for a coach you could rely on and yeah kind of going from you you know you knew you were going to BC but what did that look like because you didn't quite know yet and and I felt that and I wish I remember at the time because I wished you were back in London for longer because I thought that would have been really good for you because you didn't have the stability out in BC. Yeah. Yeah. It was really hard. Um, I'd been, yeah. So I think I'd been here for a year and then I came home for a summer and worked with you because Tyler got me in touch and yeah, it was really hard because I had, I had an okay year. Um, didn't feel like I was really going anywhere and wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And like, I was always being judged for my weight and, and yeah, like body image in our sport is one thing that's like crucial. And, um, and I didn't fit in what they wanted. So that was another reason why they were like, Oh, well, she's never going to lose weight. So 
just never going to be there. And, and we didn't, I didn't have, yeah, like you said, I didn't have stability out here um, or people to help me with that at the time. And so, yeah, I, that was definitely one thing I thought I would be able, maybe be able to talk with you about if I was there longer. Um, yeah. But yeah, it took a while to get out of that. So tell me, like, I mean, it's, it's that kind of thing. And, and both Paul and I understand that there's so many highs and there's so many lows. And what you've just described are one of the most euphoric and, and movie like highs. What, what are some of the struggles? Like, what is one of the, one of the, what is one of the hardest things you've had to overcome? Um, well, injury is such a big thing. Um, for athletes, I find like, that's something that's really, really difficult. And I've definitely gone through that, but, um, injury has actually helped me get through my hardest struggle, which was body weight and body image in my sport. Um, there was, there was a year where they were like, oh, like she's not going anywhere. And I could feel it and I could see it in their eyes when they looked at me at competition. And I was trying to like, the only thing I would eat was tuna. And like, I hated tuna. Mm, That sucked. And so now I like it, but like literally that was like, I felt like that was all I was eating for an entire year. And which also wasn't helping because that's not just eating tuna is not a healthy balance. You're not eating for performance. Yeah. You need the performance. You need the power and explosiveness. Totally. So, um, so yeah, I went to a competition at the beginning of the season and wasn't doing great, uh, but it wasn't horrible. And I, we had prelim semis and finals that weekend and it was, I did okay in the prelim. And then the next day was semis and then finals was like, mm, maybe like an hour after that. And I did, okay. I did well enough in the semi to make the final. And at this point in time, we had a lot of people in our event and this was at a senior national event. Um, so there was lots of divers and one of the judges from out in BC um, came up to me and she was, she's a big deal in diving Canada and even like international diving, uh, very well known. Um, and her opinion, very, it matters a lot. Um, so she came up to me and she was like, Selena, you, me, Weight Watchers online, 20 pounds. And I was like, Oh God, what? And I had finals in 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be like, yeah. What? And, and it's, and, Go ahead. No, I, I see that over and over in so many different sports, especially with females, but it's also with male athletes as well. And it's sometimes coaches get into that realm of knowing or thinking they know what's going to make the difference, but not yeah. not being aware enough of the impact or how it's going to land for that athlete and how it's going to affect totally. that athlete. And it th- that kind of thing might be the end of their end of their desire end of their desire Mm -hmm. for what they've always loved to do and it's such a it's not as bad as it used to be but I I know I I have story after story where coaches would come to me as the strength coach saying saying you need to get this off of this athlete and I'm just like okay that's not how it works (laughs) okay okay, first of all Like I'm not cutting a limb off, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no. So go on. That that must have. What was that like for you? That must have just Whoa. crushed your your heart at that time. What was it like? At that moment, I was like, okay, thank thank you. Um, 
I'm going to go dive finals now. Um, try and just, you know, like, oh, it's, it's shake it off, shake it off. Yeah. It's just her. That's how she is. And like, let it roll off my shoulder. Not a big deal. Um, and then literally as I was turning around to go towards my coach, another official who I'd known a long time growing up has watched me grow up from Ontario comes up to me. Selena, when are you going to start doing more challenging dives? Oh, oh, God. Oh, my God. Like, perfect is this, timing. Is this normal for people to be talking to you 10 minutes before a final? Uh, yeah, that... if you're not training. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, depends on it just the... seems It seems, distracting. Uh, from my personal perspective, that they no one not is talking right to me. Time. And yeah, I, <laughs> people might be trying to talk to me before a match, but I'm not hearing it. They're being like, yeah, it's, it's blowing my mind to hear you say that the people even have a chance to say this to you. It's yeah, unreal. I don't, I honestly, this, it, it is a little weird. Um, I mean, I'm like, I try to keep it loose and, and, um, not too stressed in a competition and like nationals, the, the level of competitiveness, like, um, anxiety isn't as intense mm-hmm. um so yeah so it made it was okay for them to come and chat with me but not about those things that was no not yeah. the right time <laughs> inappropriate um yeah totally uh but yeah so i went um went to the event and i to be honest i don't even remember how it went um but i remember ha- having to come back home and like it didn't bother me at the time but then when i had to tell Tyler, my coach, uh, my strength coach, I knew he was going to be pissed yep. and really upset. Yep. And, and so when I told him he got upset and that's when I cried and I was like, yeah, okay, this is like a real thing and it's a yeah. problem. And, and so every competition after that, that year, I hated being there, which is not me because competing is my favorite place to be. I love right. seeing everybody and being with everyone and, you know, like, just the adrenaline high. It's like, it's so much fun. And the people are so important to me in the sport that, um, when I got there, like I couldn't even enjoy being with them because I, I just thought everyone was judging me how, for how I look and that's, how that's all was going. you can, that's all you can think of once that's been put in your space. And, and, yep. and in the, initially it's the kind of thing that you feel like you're supposed to, because one thing that, happens with athletes over time is that they are so trained to be coachable and Mm -hmm. when someone with that much clout and that much um superiority over you comes and says things like that to you it it's it's like you you're supposed to absorb it and do what they say or or agree with them or be coachable that way and it's just it, it it goes directly against who you are and being yeah. the best version of yourself as an athlete and your best performer as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the end of that year was a mess. Um, I basically was done. I was like, yeah, like internationals didn't, I was like, okay, this is probably my last competition ever. Like I didn't tell very many people, um, but like you could see it. It was written all over me. Like, everyone was like, what's wrong? And I'm oh, nothing like just, yeah. you know, kind of done with this. And, um, and then I did, okay. I came fourth or something at nationals and, you know, like I was, I was decent at my dives. I could land on my head. And, and at that point in time, that was all you needed to do to get to an international competition because, um, the, the top two girls were going to other events. And then the top, the next two were, you know, got the, all, all the, smaller internationals so 
I got invited back to my favorite place in the world, uh, Bolzano, Italy. They have a Grand Prix there every year. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is going to be my last competition. It's going to be international. It's going to be fun. It's outdoors. It's my favorite place in the world. It's beautiful. You're diving in the mountains. My old teammate is coming. My first, like my old coach, Moana, who got me onto the national team from London. Like she's going to be there with Taylor. Um, One of my teammates who we never thought would ever make a Grand Prix made one that year. Um, And he's one of the hardest working guys I know. So like, it was literally my fan, like another teammate of mine was going. So my family was really, this was the family that was going to be at this competition. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. Like, this is great. And I didn't care. And again, like just went and had fun and I did awesome. And I came forward yeah. and I was like, okay, maybe I still really do love this. And it's better when you don't care kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so it kept me hanging on for the next season a little bit. We went back into the gym and um, but I was also at that point year, I finally met friends in Victoria and my, my life was coming together here and I found a balance between school and diving and my friends. And I kind of wanted to do that whole first year of school thing where you're going out and you're having fun. And so it kind of yeah. took me away from normal. diving a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah which, it wasn't which, good well. for my diving, but <laughs> But that's the thing, what you experience, oh my gosh, that's so important because as you've felt in your career, it's that identity of Selena, the diver, and that's the majority of your identity. And then when something penetrates that, or it starts to shake, or there's just something that cracks that identity, well, what else do you have? Especially yeah. when you've left your family, you've left your home, you, if you didn't have close friends out there, that's yeah. the kind of thing that, that ends a career right there when you have been shaken yeah. by your results, by what coaches say, by feeling certain ways. Like it's just, it's, uh, that's, that's a tough thing. So to, to experience yeah. being a friend and being a, a first year student and being a, you know, a, a psych student that can be the thing that makes your diving that much more rewarding. And yeah. I think, and it's really, it's so evident in your story that you're, you're rock bottom, everything's low. Yep. And the thing that pulls you out is simply enjoying your sport the way you did the first time you tried it and being with your friends and yep. those core elements that all the passion revolves around and getting rid of all that other crap was that call to you to say, hey, this is for me. I really do love this and kept you in it. It's amazing to hear that, you know, yeah. it sounds like the roller coaster is about to go right off the tracks, but that shift in attitude, you know, <laughs> takes yeah, it right yeah. back it's to the top. Totally, yeah. it's, it's that thing you never know. You, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's around the corner. And, and time, it's just that thing that, that either heals or takes you through or, you know, brings you to a new place. That's, yeah. that's so, that's so great. Um, so what's happening for you in now and for, and for, um, university, like your psychology, you've been working on that for a few yeah. years now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I might not even graduate this year <laughs> saying that I've been like looking at classes and like part of the reason why I've been in school so long is because our diving schedule is so set. Like they've been, I feel like they've been my coach has been here for 20 years. He had his 20th anniversary this year. And I think the training schedule has been the same 
all these 20 years, um, which is only accommodating to the junior athletes who are in high school because they go to a sports school where they get a block of time and that's when they get to come to the pool. And then when they're done school, they come after school, like at four o'clock and that's the only set time we have. So you can't take any classes. (laughs) No, because it's exactly. And diving is 1030 to one, three mornings a week and four to seven. So any evening, afternoon classes out, any mid morning lunch classes out. So that leaves me with eight to 10. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which takes forever Um, to get that, that, that school. Exactly. And when you get into 400 level classes, there are none at that time. Yeah. The professors don't want to be up at that time. Like, like anybody, regular, normal person. Um, but yeah, so it's been really hard trying to uh, figure it out. Um, Especially with the travel, now, too. Uh, which was a pain in my butt at first. Actually, for a majority of my uh, education, because none of the teachers, I wasn't on varsity. Diving's not part of university sports. So they didn't care if I missed stuff. And they didn't have an obligation to help, have to help me because I wasn't getting notes from university coaches or whatever yeah Yeah. um so every year every class I would go in and I'd give them a letter and I'd introduce them to who I was and like okay this is the deal and like the last so I've been in school eight years now so the last two years of those eight years finally started to get better for me in regards to teachers helping me out (laughs) um I've had, there was one teacher, professor who everyone was like, oh my God, Dr. Payne, she's, she's amazing. And then other people were like, oh my God, she's so mean. <laughs> and I was, so I was felt like I got the idea, like you either love her or you hate her. Yeah. So I went into my first class with her, it was uh, adolescent development. And I loved the class because she is like the psychology God. Like yeah. she's exactly who I want to be when I'm done my sporting career and, and all, and go into my actual educational career. Um, she just like, and doesn't care what people think. And she'll say, she knows every stat like about anything. And if you're wrong, she'll call you out on it. And (laughs) so we had, I was super, I thought I'd be shy and not want to talk in class, but then I like would end up laughing at everything she says. And then she'd ask me questions. So I'd have to talk. And I was a little nervous because in this class, the first time I ever asked her a question, she made me feel like an idiot. And I like walked away and I was like, oh God, like maybe I <laughs> shouldn't be in this program or something like this. And then we had a, our first group project and she told us we were doing it on discrimination against LGBTQ youth at the time. And um, we found this article that just like, it got me going. And I, there was an article about a priest in Toronto still thinking that they could pray the gay away and like yeah clean you and I was like this is so wrong for kids like it just it blew my mind so I took it to her and I was like okay can we talk about this and she was like yeah but don't base your whole presentation on it I was like okay so like me and my two other friends like did got the whole presentation going but my part was all about that specific thing because I was so passionate about it and I started to freak out. She was going to hate it because she said, don't just talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so, and the presentation that went before us, she basically shut them down at the end and said, that whole thing was wrong. You used all American stats. I, 
F. Like nothing, nothing was right about that. Yeah. And I was like, oh scared, my God. Scared, scared, yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of the presentation, I ended up jumping up and down in it and it was super embarrassing, but people were crying and like coming up after us and thanking us for talking about it. And it like really hit yeah. home to us. Like it was amazing and she loved it. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like I'm in her good books. And yeah. then two years later, I had another class with her and this was two years ago. She told me I look like shit. Oh, <laughs> like word you. for word. <laughs> I was going through the worst breakup, super sick. And we had two exams and I like really didn't study for it. And then I also had a a project classes throughout both at 830 throughout the week with her. So every day at 830, I saw her and I wanted to go after the two exams to go have a meeting with her to like, make sure that I was doing this project right. So I didn't get too far into the semester and realize it was all wrong. And this was the first time I ever gone to an office hour with her. So I sit down and she was like, how are you? I'm like, oh, okay. She goes, you look better today. And I was like, thank you. Why would you bring that up? Yeah. And she's like, well, because yesterday you look like shit. And to be honest, you've looked awful all week. And I was like, oh my God. Are you saying that because you're worried about me? Or are you saying that because you care or because you're just being mean? excuse my language but it was just so funny um but also awful at the same time I like I started crying and immediately as soon as she asked am I okay she regretted it because she's not very like she doesn't really like to talk very much like when she was in clinical she was good working with kids but quickly found out that that was all she could work with was kids yeah um so she like instantly like shoulders back kind of pushed herself away um but it was fine it was good and after that, like, she kind of got to know me better and realized, like, the athleticism, the elite athleticism that I was at and, like, going to these events. And she finally started to help me out, which was great. Um, because the first couple of semesters I had her, she was like, if you miss it, like, it's zero. Like, yeah. there weren't, there's no makeup dates. And I was like, okay. So, so now she's helpful. That's that kind of person that then, once they've got your back, you know, they're the person that's going to go the extra mile for you because they get what you're really about, not only through that presentation, but also what you're doing in life. That's so much bigger than what the majority of people out there do. And, you know, out of the things that you respect out of a, a prof like that, you're likely also learning a ton from that same person. But even though she's a hard ass, but in, in all of that, are you like, there's a couple of facets to where I'm going with this, but one is that, is that, you know, there's her as an example of a prof, which you may or may not want to be like if you go into that field. But what I, what I'm getting at is going into psychology, do you know where or what you might want to direct that towards and how, here's the other part, how has that you either overcome or manage um, body image um, challenges that you've gone through within your sport and then mm-hmm. you know or even the challenges of what you need in sports psychology like what has your programming been doing for you your studies doing for you I've never actually thought about that in regards to like my 
athletic career. Um, but so yeah, I've being at first I wanted to do like forensic psych and have nothing to do with sport and like really nothing that was going to be able to help me because it was super cool. Um, and like TV obviously, ex you know, exploded everything, but I realized that's not a very realistic, uh, <laughs> uh, career in life. So it's, I quickly changed that. It's like bones and, and all the, like <laughs> and the grimy, gross, dead stuff. Yeah. And then you have to, <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm not really like, I'm more bubbly up. Like, I feel like that would have brought me down a lot. Um, and it wouldn't yeah. have really lasted very long for me. Not um, the real you. Yeah. So for me, like, I really, sport is going to be impossible to forget and leave. So I really want to continue with sports psych eventually. Um, and then also, I like, family um, in the diving community, everyone is much younger than me now. Um, and for the majority of the time have. I've always been one of the older athletes. So I've really liked like watching my teammates grow up and help them get through things. And that was something like my teammates now will look back and will always say like, oh, thanks for giving me that pep talk or like something like that. So like working with children and adolescents and taking those that adolescent class with Bain and I've taken another advanced one. Like I really enjoyed that age. Um, so I feel like adolescence and working with children in psychology too and some clinical stuff would be really cool. So to kind of combine that and like sports psychology, a lot of coaches, I'm hope hopefully, you know, when newer coaches come in, the psychological aspect will change and be more welcomed because with a lot of the coaches I've worked with, it's not been something that's been very popular. It's more technical or, and yeah, yeah. And yeah. they think it's kind of a waste of time. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, but that's been something that's changed my career because like in diving you can have so many mental blocks and like I have my own issues as it is but I wouldn't have been able to get through it my and my struggles and with body weight if I didn't have someone to talk to about it and I cannot talk to my coach about that stuff he he's not is, comfortable and is that how you got through it was by talking to somebody about it was that your was that your biggest help for me to be able to finally lose the weight, it took an injury and time off and a support system of my sports psych, my nutritionist, yeah. and my strength trainer to all like build a program around each other. Like my nutrition had to go after how many calories I'm burning in, in the gym and in the pool. And my yeah. strength coach has built this program that literally tracks absolutely everything down to when I'm having my period, like, yeah. or how, how my, well, my sleep was, how many hours yep. I got, like everything. So to have that, that group and my, like, even my nutritionist, she's one, like, I adore her so much. She's one of my really, really good friends, but you know, she's like, it's supposed to be a, a business transaction, you know, like yeah, yeah. she's here to yeah. professional, right? Exactly. Thank you. Um, but I, will go and see my sports psych Christy and then literally go and see Ashley my nutritionist for an hour to talk about food and I'll literally tell her all the same things and like so it and Dana he hears all that stuff too so it's the people that built that team with me that had my back to help me be able to express my my things that I was upset about and like say like oh like I feel really fat today or really gross and like yeah. oh like 
and it wouldn't be like, oh, don't say that. Like, no, they'd be like, okay, well, how can we change that attitude? And it wasn't just the the sports psych that did that. And like, yeah, so it was, it was the culmination of everyone together and also helping them, helping you find your own self-love. Yeah. So that you're not viewing your body as this machinery, which, which athletes often have some, some level of that. That's how the, the head honchos of, of our sports see it, right? Like you are that person for them. You are that machine. Especially with national teams, you're a commodity or you're a professional athlete. Paul's been through so much of this. You are the, you're the big gun. You're coming in and your job is to perform and your body is how you perform. And so it sounds like, what? I was going to say, it's the language around it too. You'll hear, you know, it's your machine. Did you yeah. fuel today? Yep, yep, you yeah. Mean, you mean you mean did I eat food? Literally though, it's it's yeah. it's this. And yeah, I say you're, those you're this commodity yep. that's being used yep. by the team or the sport, and you're this machine, and let's plug in and go. And that's and, yeah, it's and language pervasive. was something that oh totally yeah exactly. And language was something that Christy really talked to me. like we even like the moment I say the something she doesn't like or like. Not what I'm saying. She doesn't like it. Like how I'm saying it. We'll have to switch it. Like I, there's no yeah. like, hey, and like switch it to a different word. And like, even though it like bugs me because yeah. I like, but it's true. That's yeah. language is such and, a and, huge part of it. And you've got somebody in that support to be a pattern interrupt. So the things that were your automatic patterns for so long that weren't serving you, you've got somebody there who can go, Hey, you know, catch you in the pattern right when you, when you have it and then switch it. And then it actually, it actually starts to change for you. There's a transformation that starts to happen. Yeah. That's huge. And having the support there. Yeah. Well, in the beginning that changed, like when they, so diving Canada actually found out that I wanted to quit, um, that when I came back that fall, um, and I mean, they're a little bit too late coming to the table because I'd already decided that I was going to try and stick it out. But the way that they wanted to approach me losing weight was, again, incorrect. Like I had a chart. I still have a piece of paper in my room. Um, of I had four months to lose 20 pounds, but I had to weigh myself every single day. Oh. And there was a number of how much I should weigh every day. Oh my God. And like, how is that supposed to work? Your yeah. body fluctuates five yeah. pounds every day. Like, I want to bang my head against a wall here. In the I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Like, how, and like, every, even like people who know my friends who know nothing about this stuff, like, are like, what? Like, they wouldn't even say that's possible. Like, so why would someone who's in the sport yeah. say to you that that's how you're going to do it? Yeah. And like, that's how we're going to support you. So even my nutrition is like, yeah, this isn't going to work. But for the next four months, we'll, we'll try, do our best to what they think, show them that we're trying and then do our own thing when it doesn't work. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah. So it took a long time, but it's, it's such a tough thing because if someone, if someone doesn't have negative associations with their body weight or, you know, a difficult relationship with, either food or their body weight, then sometimes weighing in on a daily basis can be a fantastic tool because we're looking at things like hydration or 
um, you know, especially pre and post practice. So for instance, one of the things we used to do with the men's and women's national volleyball teams is especially in really hard training phases, going into a qualifier, going into major tournament, it would be weighing in before and after practice, but especially each morning, because if they had two or three trainings per day, and some of those athletes were really heavy sweaters and they weren't replenishing and weren't yeah. rehydrating, then it could be disastrous within 48 hours. We'd be losing somebody really fast in, in what they were able to perform and recover with. And, but at the same time, you know, it, when we went through those phases, I recognized so clearly that it was very different with the men's team than it was the women's team. The women's mm-hmm. team, you know, had more resistance because there's more um, just emotional attachment or connection with different weights and things like that. And sometimes yeah. to keep it as healthy as possible, sometimes it was a matter of, okay, we're going to be monitoring this, but I would set it up so they either didn't have to or couldn't see the the scale so that they weren't attached to that. So they don't know. It's just you exactly. guys doing the it's work. Just, it's yeah. just, uh, you know, okay, these people might need to hydrate a little more or then we might we might just say in general, okay, everybody needs to hydrate a whole lot more right now. Or, you know, it just, it could be things yeah. like that. But, but for a diver, which is very different because the, the sweat loss isn't the same as say a cyclist or a triathlete <laughs> no. or a volleyball player in the summer, it, it's a completely different thing. And, yeah. and uh, like, it's such an approach that speaks, that request speaks such volumes of, do this, do it now. And we really don't care how you get it done. Just do what we're asking you to do. Yeah. And, and that's the message that it sends. And it's such a hard thing on an athlete because they don't ever get the message that I'm supported and we're going to do this in a healthy way that really works because that's the way that I'm going to perform the best if I'm really nurtured that way. And that just doesn't, it, it often doesn't happen with a national team. And it's so, so refreshing to hear that you had a team of support because what it's doing for you is it's, it means that it's furthering your dream and also Mm -hmm. means that as a, as a nation, we've got another athlete that is still competing and has such amazing things to offer in representing our country. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) But, but it it just says it wouldn't happen without those people, you know, it's that, It's that kind They've, of thing. Th- this group has turned m- my career around for sure. Um, and it's, it's funny. It's been so, the team that I have, uh, many of them have, a couple of them have been solid um, in the gym. It's been a little bit unstable um, just because Victoria is a really hard place to, to live. It's super expensive and it's hard to keep people. and you know, um, People aren't necessarily planning on sticking around for very long. So I literally in the gym, and this was another reason why it was hard to start that process of losing as well, because I had this problem. I confided in people about it. They wanted to be there for me. They were doing everything they could to turn things around. And then they left because mm, yeah. like, another opportunity came up and like, and in the first situation, like I know he Kieran had planned to be with me for a very long time 
but his wife wasn't happy and like they'd moved across the world to be here. And after a year, like she wasn't going to be able to work for another year. And so like just, and then he got a way better job offer. And so it made sense that he left. But so when they brought in someone else, I told the like hiring people, I was like, look, I need someone who's going to be here to 2020. Like I've literally been before they found Kira and I had been through every single strength coach they had in there because they couldn't find someone to fill one athlete for one team or two yeah. athletes for one team. So it was impossible. And then finally they got someone and I met him and I lit- I told him the same story over again. And I was like, this is what I want. This is what I need to change. This is how we want to do it. I, like, I need you to be here and have my back and stay. He said the same thing. Oh, don't worry. Like, I've got your back. We're there. I'm going to be here. And then he was younger and same kind of thing came up. Like the job couldn't afford to live in Victoria and he was having a really crappy time here. And the only good thing that he had was like working with me and his other athletes, but it just wasn't enough. So then he left and I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And it's, it's that kind of thing that what people don't realize in the bigger picture is that in order to have a really good program, that you can't have constant turnover in coaches because it just doesn't foster a really good program. And then on the flip side of that, for the athlete, the athlete can't develop when they don't have someone that they trust, someone that they're, you know, even if there's only a professional relationship, it, it ends up falling flat when the athlete can't, they're not going to perform the same for someone that they don't know or just met or, or that kind of thing. Yeah. And like, you can't do, I can't have eight different strength coaches when strength is honestly the one thing that like everything else kind of wrote it helps. It helps everything for me. It is the one thing that needs to be stable for my diving to be at its best for my nutrition to be at its best for my like positivity and my mind to be healthy and at its best. So when I'm not doing that consistently, it's so frustrating. A lot of people don't realize what goes into making a well-rounded athlete and or realize that how much that strength coach puts in there for their athletes. I'm I'm plugging strength coaches clearly. (laughs) I don't don't know why. So weird to hear this. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, and it's funny because it took me so long to realize that. Like, the coach thing made sense to me when I'd been turned over by everyone. And finally, this coach who was... For the first two months I moved here, he was my coach, but was just basically, I didn't have any strength and conditioning um, experience before. So he was just warming me up and teaching me to put me into the the main group. And then I didn't work with him again until all of this is happening. He's now one of the the big guys on the team there. And it's like, Selena, like, what would you think if I coached you? And I was like, ha ha, don't joke. Like, that's not funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was like, no, seriously. Like, what if I took diving? And I was like, while well, you live here so and you're from Vic so I don't think you're going anywhere um so yeah like I would absolutely love that and I mean like I've known you for eight years like it's not like I need to start another relationship like yeah this, this could be a, awesome what a relief yeah but I didn't want to get too excited because you really never know well you've been burned <laughs> yeah so and then he was like yeah I'm gonna do it and then told them and was like yeah we don't need to find someone like I'm doing it and then they ended up like hiring someone else later down the road but he's now been with me for two years I think and now this year being outside the gym 
um, for like not inconsistently, like all the competitions we had, we'd be gone for three weeks and then back two weeks and then gone a week and then back a week and then gone a week. Like my strength and my body changed again. Like I'm not very happy with my body composition right now. Um, but I know like I have plans to, you know, get leaner again and get stronger, but that was because I wasn't in the gym consistently. Yeah. So I saw that one piece of the coach not being as having, you know, stability there and it playing a role. And then now I've seen in the last four months, what inconsistent training does yeah. for me it's like it's literally all coming together now and yeah it, it yeah it's really cool when you but think that's about the it. the more you learn the more you can fine tune as an athlete and see how it all comes together and know more about your own body that way so yeah so I'm gonna uh I'm gonna wrap up here today but I want to finish with a few questions just to kind of pick your brain about a few things yeah um Let's see. Oh, I know one that, of course, we have to ask is <laughs> what are some of your favorite physical training workouts or your least oh, least favorite? <laughs> um, oh, diving or strength wise? <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm, of course, biased. Well, but... Yeah. Curry wants to know okay. the strength <laughs> okay. side of things. But... OK, well, I hate cardio and you know that all too well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the hill of death is not something I ever want to remember from your, from your workouts. Um, so yeah, I actually, I'm not really allowed to do cardio. Dana doesn't want me to do that as much anymore because it slows yeah. me down. Um, so that's great. Um, I even wanted to ride my bike to the gym cause I live like 10 minutes and he was like, nope, you have to drive. <laughs> so, um, I like that I don't have to do cardio because I'm awful at it. So that's probably one of my worst exercises. Um, also EMS, electromagnetic stim, uh, to, to gain strength in my muscles. I've had to do that when I had my toe injury and was out for four months. And that was probably the most painful thing so I've you, ever done. You, you don't like that one either? Nope. Don't like that one. Um, something I do like, um, is probably when I dive 10 meter on a good day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or, or, um, my, my first practice of the week is a three meter springboard simple workout and it's pretty quick, but I'm moving really fast. Um, and like working on specific techniques and specific dives, um, that lead into, you know, doing the big dives properly. So I think that might be my favorite workout in diving. Nice. Yeah. And, um, what, what would be some really small thing it could be an action or some you know like a, a ritual or routine that you do that has a really big impact in your life it could be in your sport in your life in your workouts in your relationships but what's one of those little things that really has a big impact for you getting out and you know being outside and doing things that you love with your friends like for me it's started to become a ritual where I would if I'm going away for a long time and I'm not going to see them at a competition or like, you know, just a, a weekend competition here, like the night before the competition starts or before I leave, I'll, and it's reasonable. Like if I'm competing yeah, the next day, yeah. obviously I'm not going to go out, but I'll go out with them and just like let off some steam and have a little fun. And even if it's just going to the beach or going out to hear a band or something like yeah. that's been something I found has been really helpful for me and um just getting out of the athletic world really like a positive for, distraction yeah. yeah yeah 
I really love like exploring the island and going up somewhere before we go and it's such being... a beautiful place to live too. Oh yeah. yeah Honestly, like it was yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's so difficult. Like it's a real big challenge to move out here. Um and money wise especially, but honestly it's the best thing that I could have ever done. So oh, that's wonderful. Um yeah. okay, this is kind of a, a deeper question here. Long after you've retired and uh retired from your sport and you're no longer around, you've you've passed on or left this earth, what would you like your legacy to be? Oh god. <laughs> um <laughs> easy question. Um, <laughs> You know, I had someone ask me this the other day, and I, I gave them such a bad answer. Um, it's your second chance. <laughs> I think I want it to be just like enjoy what you're doing while you're doing it, and like have learned that. I want people to have learned that from me, and like appreciate the people that are doing it with you. Um, because for me, that's the whole reason why I'm still here and doing this. Is one, I love the sport, but. I love the people that I get to meet and the relationships I get to make, like talking here, talking with you guys. Like I worked with you guys for a month, right? Like, and it's, they just mean so much to me. And so I want people to be able to like recognize that by maybe watching me if they ever trained with me for a year or, or a day or whatever, just like appreciating and loving the people that you're with and what you're doing. It was. That's awesome. That's fantastic. You know, Selena, you. it it's it's probably clear to people listening to this, and it was easy for me to to really absorb the genuine, upbeat, loving nature that you have and that you give off towards <laughs> other people. And and that's one of the reasons why you were one of the first people that came to mind for this podcast. <laughs> so Thank we are you. really, really grateful for um, your contribution to this podcast and how it can benefit other people. And we're, we're so excited to see your achievements and what you're going to give back in this world. And, and, you know, we know that we're going to see you at 2020 <laughs> Olympics. So um, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. No, and, no problem. And so, how, how so, can those listening follow your story moving forward to Tokyo and, and the road beyond? What's the best way to, oh. to follow Well, you know, your it's life? all over social media. <laughs> so what's your handle? But, so it's uh, Instagram is Selena, C-E-L-I-N-A dot Toth, T-O-T-H. And Twitter is Selena Toth, um, all one word. And yeah, if you find me on Facebook too, I'm all over that. Yeah, hope that hopefully I don't have an athlete page. Maybe I should make one of those. Well, is there um, anything that you're promoting now? I think you're working with kids sport. Is there anything else that's uh, meaningful to you right now? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm doing a lot with kids sport. I'm actually just started working with uh, the Fishu program. Um, I'm one of their ambassadors. Um, that recently that they've just created this program, and also um, Live Like Alex is a project with World Vision that's really close to me. Uh, it was a a friend of mine who passed away four years ago wanted to bring clean water to people who don't have any. Um, and she was also a diver and, uh, she was, she was just an incredible person. And so I, that's not something that's really, uh, I feel like popular right now. Um, cause I think they've got a lot going on with world vision. It's a pretty big, uh, 
program. Um, but something that when I have some time, I'd like to um, pull some more attention back to um, potentially when I'm done training because it's always at a time where I'm competing. So um, when I'm done, hopefully I can bring more attention to it. Yeah. And even even do projects like actually. Yeah. Point, actually give back. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, like Those are amazing adventures, too, in and of itself when you go and do something like that in another culture or another part yeah. of the world. I've yeah. never got to do the whole Southeast Asia graduation trip. So hopefully <laughs> when I'm go. retired. I missed that one as well. Next. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. Maybe we'll maybe you guys together. can come with me. Yes, let's do, <laughs> yeah. let's do it together. Hey, wait! Cool. I've got to graduate first, but <laughs> but, but <laughs> Selena, I want you to point out though that you you're already giving back. I mean, in what you said today, we've heard how you're helping young athletes around you all the time, taking that extra moment to give them a pointer or the pep talk, like you said. So. Uh, wow. Don't feel like you're going to be giving back when you're done. You're already doing oh, it. No. So. Thank you. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. To get more support in living your best life, find us in our free Facebook community, Empowered Top Performers. We're on Instagram at Paul Durden and at Empower Conditioning. Please share this podcast and rate us. A five-star review would mean the world to us. That is how we connect with and support more people to excel in sport and life. Take what you learned today and try it. Progress is perfection.